He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch. I'm Atan Thomas, and we are excited to bring this new platform to you of athletes being able to tell their stories in their own voice. So the athletes that I always grew up admiring and watching and trying to emulate were the athletes who used their positions as platforms. The Muhammad Ali's, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, and the, the Jim Brown's, and the John Carlos and Tommy Smith's. And I think whenever you speak out on a cause, whether you're an athlete or not, there are going to be people who whose sole purpose is to misinterpret and contort what you're saying because they don't agree with the message. People who are going to want to discredit you are going to do that regardless. So you can't really be worried about them. You just have to stand up for what you believe in. I mean, you can go through Dr. King, go through Malcolm X, you can go through, you know, whoever it is. All great people had that feeling of being on an island by themselves where people weren't supporting them and had no problems doing it by themselves. And that's what Mahmoud did. That's what Kaepernick did. And that's what makes them so special. I mean, a lot of times when you're removed from the moment, you really are able to see how special what they did was. You know what I mean? When, when Muhammad Ali um, said that he didn't want to go to the war, he was one of the most hated people in America. I mean, that's just the bottom line. When he joined the Nation of Islam, he was one of the most hated people in America. But now looking back, people who still might disagree with him have a certain respect for him because he was able to risk everything, use his platform, and stand up for what he believes in. What's crazy about this is Mahmoud Abdul-Aruf messaged me on Facebook and said that he respected the stances that I took. And that was amazing to hear that somebody that you respected and admired uh, since you were in high school is giving you a compliment and saying that, you know, they respect the stances that you took. So it was an absolute honor for me to be able to interview him for this show. And I really hope that everybody enjoys it as much as I did. We've been conditioned to view athletes and entertainers and these people just as athletes and entertainers. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to really witness, you know, episodes when you can look at these athletes parting with this socially engineered mind, so to speak, that in a sense is used to purchase our silence and they reconnect with the minds that, that they're supposed to have that speaks truth to existence. So when I hear things like that, you know, like he has all this money and who is he to speak out? Well, we're human beings. Mahmoud Abdurraouf. He was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. Abdul Rauf, another three, and that's his eighth of the game. That equals an all-time opponent's record against the Maverick. Not only could he light up box scores with a plethora of three-pointers, but he appeared in the dunk contest and was considered one of the most accurate free throw shooters ever. We'll probably talk about this all night long, but that's 49 in a row going back to last year. His career wasn't cut short due to injuries or diminishing basketball abilities, but after he sparked controversy... Nuggets star Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who practiced with the team this afternoon, was suspended just 20 minutes before game time for violating his contract by refusing to stand for the national anthem. 
He was transformed into the symbol for the anti-American ungrateful who didn't appreciate the riches and fame the NBA has provided for him. Ask Mahmoud if he'd rather not get paid in American dollars. He lost millions and proudly says he would do it all again. Well, I mean, I feel that way. Um, you know, when I make a decision, uh, especially if I thought it out, you know, I stick to that decision. And any time that I can learn something from it, I don't look at that as a moment to have regrets. Uh, there's there's a, a little quote uh, that I've come across, and it's kind of applicable. It says, straight roads don't make skillful drivers. So, I mean, you got to go through the turns and the bumps in life to become skillful at something as well as to grow. So I, I just, you know, and looking back at all those decisions that I made, man, I mean, and looking at my life now, you know, I see the growth, I see the development, I become stronger as a result, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. Right, right. Uh, there is so much I want to ask you. So let's start with uh, what gave you the strength and the courage to be able to take that stance? I mean, you had to know and be fully aware of the level of backlash that would was going to come to you and that it would be astronomical. You know, what gave you the strength and the courage to be able to do that? First answer, man, is my faith in God and my relying on him. But growing up, I just... You know, you see things, and and you know that these things are wrong. But yet, you you couldn't either. You couldn't always find a way to articulate it the way you wanted to. But even if you could, there was this fear of what people thought or what people may do. And as I began to analyze my life, and I'm like, wow, I grew up seeing my family respond this way seeing people in my neighborhood have this like submissive slave-like approach to dealing with issues and i borrowed some of that i i received some of that and so as i began to analyze my life i said man i don't like the way this feels this is not natural i want to say something but i'm nervous i don't like it just wasn't natural to me so i made a decision i said man i gotta get out of this i don't want to live this way I want to be able to speak regardless of the consequences. If I believe it and, and if I want to say something, nobody's going to stop me from saying it. If I'm not ready to say something, nobody's going to rush me to say what I'm not ready to say. And I was introduced to Malcolm by Dale Brown. He gave me the autobiography when I was at LSU. And I never heard him. I'm starting to read this brother and I'm starting to look at how courageous he was. I said, this is what I'm aiming for. And so I just started on a journey, man, and I started to say no. But it was in stages, and it got to the point, I said, you know what, I'm just done. I'm, I, it is what it is. This is the way I am. And I really mean what I say. I want to live with a free conscience and a free soul, whether you like it or not. It's like a George Washington Carver. I keep this in my kitchen all the time. He has a quote that I try to live by. He said, no one has the right to come into this world, then go out of it without leaving behind distinct and legitimate reasons for having passed through it. Right. And now, now what were some of the specific issues or, or things that you experienced when you were in the NBA, even before you made your stance? You know what I mean? Say, say when you changed your name from Chris Jackson to Mahmoud Abdul-Aruf. You know what I mean? What was some of the backlash and some of the reactions that you received after that? I mean, really, I mean, the name change for some people just disturbed them. You know, and, and, and I know when you change your name, for, for a person who understands it, that's huge. Because 
it's just not a name change. It's a change of ideology, a change of, you know, the way you see the world and the way you're thinking. And so it frightens some people, you know, because some people want you to stay in that same place that you were before. And in my case, you know, very ignorant. I'm still ignorant to a lot of things. I'm constantly learning. But uh, just this whole idea that because I'm a Muslim, you know, that, that Muslims are associated in some way with a negative form of radicalism, you know, and terror. Look, I think our life is in need of some radicalism from time to time. That's what protesting is. You're going against the grain by protesting. We need that. But, but you know, I, I used to have challenges, man, with the team in terms of praying and challenging me on fasting and, I mean, all of those type of things. But really the image, what kind of Muslim are you? And waiting to see, you know what I mean, almost like uh, having this look on their face like I'm about to blow up something. Right. You know, and like, man, come on, man. Right. Do, do a little bit of reading. Read, you know, read a little bit more. And, and uh, it, it's just a lot of ignorance. I had a conversation with Dikembe. I love Dikembe to death. But we were having a conversation once about Imam Khomeini. And, you know, when Imam Khomeini's name is mentioned, oh, you know, he's a terrorist. Because of the image that the media presents. And one day I had a book with his writings in it. I, the, the cover of it was torn off so you couldn't see his face. I said, man, uh, read this for me. Tell me what you think. Who is it by? I said, that's irrelevant. Just read it and tell me what you think. And as he was reading it, he finished. He said, uh, I said, what do you think? He said, huh. He said, very good. I said, you know who wrote it? He says, no. I said, Imam Khomeini. <gasps> I'm shocked. Right? <laughs> I said, this is why you need to look into things for yourself, to see for yourself, right. you know, and as opposed to what other people are always telling you, you know, and, and this is me over the years. So a lot of it's from ignorance and you just try to touch those whom you can touch, but you're not going to be able to get them all. And I'm big on dialogue. I'm big on communication. I don't care what faith you're in. I don't care your political persuasion is. I think we get a lot done from sitting at the table communicating. You may not agree, but at least we can come off hopefully and understand each other. Right, right. And that's missing a lot. Um, I want to ask you because one of the issues, and of course we've heard this with Muhammad Ali, and uh, we heard it with you, and then they even said like a rumor about Kaepernick that he may be a Muslim. Do you think that Islamophobia has gotten worse since the days of Ali? Or since your day, or or it does definitely doesn't seem like it's getting any better. You know, do you think that it's actually gotten a little bit worse now? No question. I mean, it reminds me uh, of the days when I read about the history of communism. That you know, America always usually have to have an enemy to justify their exploitation globally, mm. and then it was communism. Everything was about communism, and they came down on it hard. Now it's the threat of Islamic terrorism. And so it seems almost anything associated with Islam in a political and social way that's outside of, quote unquote, how they want you to be as Muslims, moderate Muslims, you know, passive Muslims, then, of course, it's going to add to the condemnation that comes your way. I, I really believe it's gotten worse in that respect. You know, I was asked earlier about do I think my being mm -hmm. a Muslim? And doing what I did added to it. Definitely. Because when mostly everything you see on television, and, you know, it's a huge influence, and mostly everything you read, you, you, you're seeing, oh, Islamic terrorism, Islamic fundamentalism, Islamic radicalism. 
there's a tendency for the mind when you hear it. It's like walking the streets and you seeing a brother with his pants sagging down with a hood over his head. It's like ingrained in us, even though we don't want it, we're conditioned to think, uh-oh, he must be a gangster because of all the words. and Because words are powerful. Images are powerful. Right. But that, that brother could be a 4.0 student getting ready to go, uh, got his college paid for MIT. Exactly. Four years. Exactly. We quick to judge based on what we hear and see every day. And I think that added to it. And it definitely, I think it's worse. And maybe that's saving him a little bit. I don't know if he's a Muslim or not, but uh, but if he is, wow, he, he may get a little bit more uh, coming his way. Um, let me ask you, we recently saw Colin Kaepernick um, refuse to stand for the Star Spangled Banner and the, the controversy that ensued. And you immediately offered support. And we saw, uh, in addition, other pioneers such as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Jim Brown and John Carlos and Tommy Smith and Craig Hodges also offer words of encouragement. Why did you feel the need to offer your support to him immediately? I don't think, let me put it this way, I don't think that he was in need uh, necessarily of my support. It's nice to have it. And I say that in, in this context, I think he he understands what's going on and he came to this conclusion on his own from investigating because I think uh, in one of the pieces, I don't know how true it is, he, he was talking about how he wasn't for sure, but he needed to investigate before he made this move. And I thought it was intelligent to do that because oftentimes when you investigate and you put a lot of time and thought into something, there's a tendency when you go into it that you're going to be firm firm on that decision and you're going to be able to sustain it because you put that thought into it. Um, but I just, you know, it's nice to know though, that, that there are people out there that are supporting you. Uh, it's just kind of different now than it was then when I did it. Uh, because now the, with, with social media being so prevalent, right? It, you can't really ignore the support. Then there could have been much support coming through, but if the media chose not to show it, then we just didn't see that. Mm-hmm. But now it's easy to go on social media, Facebook and Instagram and all of these other sites that they have and see it. So for major outlets to ignore what's uh, evident, it becomes blatant. And you're exposed from definitely being super biased, even though a lot of people already feel that the media is biased. So, so it's a little different, but it's still nice to know that, hey, man, there are a lot of people out there that, that, that support my cause, that see things in a similar way or the same way that I see them, which uh, is why I wanted to come out and just say, man, look, I'm for you 1,000%, no questions, especially the reasons and why he's why he chose not to stand in terms of police brutality and oppression of, of black folks. But I think it even extends far farther beyond that. Right, right. And I, def- I definitely agree. But, you know, as I'm watching everything unfold, um, I see an interesting parallel. So, you know, unfortunately, there weren't many of, Ka- of Kaepernick's contemporaries who offered support for him. And, you know, there, there were a few, you know, women's soccer player, um, Megan Rapino, you know, so I got to give her props. But a lot of in the people in the NFL, they really remained silent. But drawing a parallel with Kaepernick and your situation, you had many people who didn't support you. And correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, you know, really not many of your teammates, you know, really supported you. A lot of them remained silent and didn't support your right to the First Amendment, which whether they agreed with you or disagreed with you. You know, were you all at all surprised by the lack of support that you received? No, I wasn't surprised. We live in a society where we're taught, in a sense, to be selfish. We're taught to think of ourselves first and sometimes only. 
<laughs> you know, and so it didn't surprise me. Um, I understand it, but I don't agree with it. Because these are things that we talk about all the time. On the bus, we talk about them on the plane, you know. But yet, when it comes to making a public declaration, right, we become silent. Now, why is and that's that? The, that? That's the disturbing thing. Is because we look, we are threatened by the loss of what we've worked so hard to gain. And we're looking at it like that. We're looking at it as a loss. And we're looking at it with limited vision. Because we're not thinking about future. How this can impact the future minds and decisions of others. And so this is why we make these decisions. Well, yeah, I'm for you, but I, I can't. I can't go public. Well, in essence, you're really not for for me. Right. And it ain't really about being for me. It's about being you know, for for what's right. And and so it didn't surprise me. But there were a few uh, that came out and and and, and said some things. Uh, you know, even I remember seeing something about Shaq saying, hey, this is what we believe, boom, 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 boom. Uh, Kembe had mentioned, uh, man, Mahmoud had been doing this for years and y'all making a big deal of it. Dale Ellis, when I missed the game that night, everybody was standing one way. He was actually standing the opposite way. So that was his form of protesting. You know, so there, there were, there were a few that, that said something. But for me, it wasn't really, I mean, granted, it's nice if you get it. When you, when you look at history, and I know you do, if you look at mostly all of those individuals who we admire today, right. who kind of like stood alone, uh -huh. right, they didn't have an overwhelming amount of support. But they did what was right, and we love them today for that. So we do what we do because, hey, man, look, the truth means more to me than the loss of these things. You know, I, I, believe, I believe God is the best of providers. So if that's something meant for me, I'm going to have it. And nobody can keep it from me. If that's something not meant for me, nobody can give it to me. No matter, you know, because it's not meant for me. But one thing I'm going to do, if, if I believe in something, and I made this decision a long time ago, I'm, I'm, I'm a path and a journey to live with a free conscience and a free soul, whether anybody likes it or not, whatever the consequences are, at least when it's all said and done, I can go to sleep. And I can die knowing, I, look, I may be broke, I may be battered and bruised, but I'm free. Right. Period. Right, And right. that's the most important thing to me. Right, right. Now, let me ask you one more one more question, one more topic before I let you go. Uh, one of the criticisms we saw with Kaepernick was, um, who is he to speak about injustices because he has made so much money in the NFL? And, of course, you heard that same argument. Um, what is your response to those who say that? Who is he not to? We're human beings, too. We have, we see things. We see the same things you see. We're affected with, by the same things that you're affected by. You know, we're asked to vote every year. We, we pay taxes every year. If there's a war and prices go up, we're affected by those prices just like you. Right. If there's a medicine that comes out and that medicine kills thousands 10 years later or millions, we found out that it causes cancer. We took it. Our children took it. We are affected just like you. You know, so to use money as an argument for a person either not to be oppressed and to talk about oppression is ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. Because what's the difference between a Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton who have millions? And sometimes they have way more millions than us because of the backdoor deals you know, that, that they're doing right. to get them. Right. And they can sit and talk about what's wrong in America. Right. They can talk about the problems in America. But why can't we? And a lot of it, I think, is because. We've been conditioned to view athletes 
and entertainers and these people just as athletes and entertainers. And so now when one comes out, it doesn't look normal. <laughs> like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is not the way we want people to see athletes. We want to see you self-absorbed. We want to see you into your fame and into your materialism. Because the youth now, I go to these, these conventions, and you hear it all the time. Scholars are there. Professors are there. Teachers are there. And they say, you know what? You guys, you can say things to the youth that we say, but they hear you more because of the way you're perceived, the way we created this image of you, if that makes any sense. So it, it just bothers me, uh, Ethan. It bothers me that they bring up this, this stuff dealing with riches. Look, man, sometimes we... Riches could be an instrument, really, to purchase our silence. And when that is done, the fact that you have millions that you're trying to save makes you oppressed. It's like the coach for his, his ex-college coach had mentioned something about, oh, he is selfish. If this is true, he is selfish. And I said, no, I disagree. I think he's selfless because he has more to lose. He has he has his career that he's worked most of his life probably to, just like you and myself, you spend hours and hours trying to develop skills to reach this highest level. Now, all of that is threatened because of this decision. His finances are going to be threatened. His life possibly is threatened. His family's life is threatened. So he has way more to lose. And to still go out and make that decision and to say to the public, which I admire, it struck a nerve because this is exactly the way I feel and felt then. This is bigger than football makes him selfless and it makes you as a coach i'm not saying that we shouldn't think about our families i'm not saying we shouldn't think about ourselves this is human nature of course we should but the society is more important than the individual if there's a saying in in, in african uh, uh uh psychology or philosophy i am because we are how can one be happy when the rest of us are sad you know, because it takes those things, a person to come out of themselves and to think bigger than yourself to bring about change. This is why we love the Martin Luther Kings. This is why we love the Malcolms. This is why we love the Ida B. Wells. This is why we love the Rosa Parks, because it was bigger than them. And this is what I love about this brother and his fan. And, and we love them later on, unfortunately. We don't always love them, you know, when it's happening. We, we, we realize it later, but he's following in that legacy. We... We have been given gifts that we are not to waste. And so I said, you know, I think about that daily. What type of legacy do you want to leave? If all people remember about me as a jump shot, I've, I failed. But if they remember, you know what, man, this brother, and he may not have always articulated the best way. He may not always have been right. And I'm not. But one thing I'll say, man, this brother, it, it was something that he was passionate about and believed in. He stood up for his principles, even if it means a loss of wealth, a loss of family. My ex-wife would get mad when she heard I have, have an interview. And she said, Mahmoud, what are you going to tell him? And I look at her, why? I said, I said I'm going to tell him what I think to be true, but why? She said, because when you give interviews, we don't get jobs, our house get burned down. And I said to her, I said, you know, I apologize to you in advance. I said, I apologize for whatever may come your way and these children's way. I said, but this is who you marry. I said, I made that decision to live this way and to die this way. And, 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 and whether people like it or not, I said, I'm, I'm sorry, but I just, this is the way it's got to be.
And, you know, so it, it, it but it came in stages. Wow. Wow. And that's what makes you so special. Usually when people take a stand, they are taking it alone. Uh, whether it's Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf or Muhammad Ali or John Carlos and Tommy Smith or Craig Hodges. I could even throw in the Dixie Chicks if you remember them. But that's why I really have to take my hat off to you for standing firm on what you believe in. Uh, no matter who disagreed or agreed, it's what you believe. And that's why young athletes are going to be reading about you for decades to come. So keep being that light at the end of the tunnel. Keep doing what you're doing and leaving the breadcrumbs for athletes to follow as far as using their passion and their platform and being unafraid to stand up for what they believe in. So much respect to you. And thank you for joining us on The Rematch. Thank you, brother. And you do the same. This program was written and produced by Carl Scott and myself with talent production by Lisa Phillips. Production assistance by Sean Cherry and John McDermott. Our engineer was Chris Basil. Our executive producers are Gary Honig, Jessica Robertson, Kevin Johnston, Ryan Duffy, Chris Corcoran, and Jamie Messler. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at AtonThomas36. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Shoot me a message and let me know what you liked, what you didn't like, who'd you like to see on the show. I would love your feedback.